Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. I'm Jeremy Shear. Our guest is Chris Smith, Director of Consultancy, Organization, and Leadership Development at GP Strategies. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jeremy. Nice to meet you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, so I am a consultant and I work with a fantastic team of consultants in organization and leadership development. I've been doing that working alongside clients for uh, well over 20 years now. And I guess I spend my time uh, obviously managing that great team, working as a leadership team coach, uh, working with clients around culture change and organization development. And as part of that, do uh, some leadership development as well. Okay, great. So our topic in this episode is culture transformation, specifically how organizations can prepare to accept and adapt to transformation. So first, just to clarify, what sorts of transformations are we talking about? What are some common examples of the types that companies might undergo? The kinds of transformation that I think is really vital at the moment that uh, that organizations are really experiencing around, you know, the whole response to the to the VUCA world, this sort of a world of accelerating change and uncertainty. And for me, there are three key elements in that. Uh, so one is around the technology disruption. So that, uh, you know, the, the way in which business models are breaking down, they're being uh, attacked from different vantage points. I'm working with a fin financial services organization at the moment, and uh, and they're really looking at how, you know, competitors can come in and take sort of lines of service, lines of activity away from them, often their most profitable lines. So really disrupting business models. And that, of course, has an impact on the nature of organization, how we organize ourselves, and the structures of work, how people are doing things. You've got the advent of in, uh, artificial intelligence and so on. So that's a key disruptor that we're seeing. That's one cause of uh, change which mm-hmm. means people need to change in terms of culture. I think another is around sustainability. Uh, so how do we live on a planet of finite resources? And the resource constraints that we see in organizations uh, can be very real. How do you do more with less? There's a continuing d- demand to do more with less. And I think that creates a sta- sustainability challenge for organizations and indeed for the world around us. And another that links that is probably around healthier organizations so we have you know, access to technology, that sort of world of always being on, always able to work, always able to connect, which creates flexibility, but it can also mean that uh, we put a lot of pressure and demands on people. And so again, I think we're seeing a lot of changes and reflection in organizations around how do we respond to that? How do we adapt our culture? So we both uh, achieve the outcomes we're looking to achieve and at the same time, ensure that they're healthy places for people to work. And I imagine that adapting to transformation depends at least in part on what kind of transformation you're talking about, like the kinds that you just described. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, they weave in in, in and between each other. And that's mm-hmm. in the context of competitive marketplaces, uh, you know, the fact that you can work and grow businesses globally really quickly now um, and make services available from different places and, and so on. So thinking about the way we operate is, um, you know, becomes a key challenge in that sense. So let's get into some of the most effective strategies for adapting to transformation, transformations of different kinds, and just overall, I'm sure there are certain commonalities in in terms of the strategies. 
Yeah, I think so. One of the things that uh, that I would encourage is beware of simple solutions. So don't think that there's one simple way or one consistent way in which all organizations change their culture, change their way of uh, operating and working, uh, because I think it's always more complex because it depends on where you are and what the nature of the business is and what the history of the business is and so on. And by the same token, beware of, I guess, uh, solutions that are sort of invented outside and you know trying to copy another organization's uh, culture and ways of doing things and so on. So I think you need to think in terms of a process, not a program. And I think it's always important to start with the purpose. So actually, what are we, what are we about as an organization? Why are we here? What's the value that we bring to the world, to our stakeholders? And that includes obviously shareholders, but also includes customers and the people in the business and all the other stakeholders along the supply chain and so on. Uh, so you need to think broadly in terms of our purpose and, and how that connects to stakeholders. And that sets the start point for thinking about how you go about the culture change. So there's an inquiry phase, which is around that and around what's working now and what do we think is going to be important for the future. So and getting a wide range of people involved in that as well. It's not a top down process. It's a, it's a, something that engages a, a wider range. So you're looking really to set up a sort of an action inquiry process early on in the journey. And then there's another phase, which is around developing and energizing. So how do you then think about well, what does this mean for some of the leadership teams that are often the, the engines for change, if you like, um, and can really help to, to enable the change you want across an organization? How do you help those leadership teams to do that? How do you help them to see the need? How do you help them to work with that, work with the people around them? Helping people to understand what does this mean for me personally? Because people have often spent you know, time in an organization, they're, they're bought into what's made it great in the past. And how do they build on that? And at the same time say, well, and here's how it needs to adapt. And what does that mean for how I need to adapt and what I'm about? And of course you can put various different learning interventions in then that help to you know, grow and develop those sort of capabilities. And then finally, you need to look at the sort of embed and reinforcing phase. So the the underlying uh, processes and systems that really help to drive the nature of an organization. So that can be about you know people processes, reward and you know structures and those sort of things. It can also very often be about things like financial processes. I had a fascinating conversation with somebody yesterday, a senior leader in the business, looking at the impact of digital working in a big uh, pharma company. And his concern was, well, look, you know, we're really concerned about risk and how we manage risk. And we tend to sort of monitor and manage it. And really, in the world of AI, we need to think much more about how do we build that risk management in through the processes themselves. And so that's a sort of much more deeper embedding thing, which will shift the nature of that organization. Mm. So those three key phases. So there's the inquire, the develop and energize, and then the kind of embed and reinforce okay. the, the key phases. And, and of course, you brought up a really important point uh, earlier that it really depends on the specific company and their history and yeah. where they are in, in the moment. So there's no one size fits all solution. But, but I would think that... Right one thing that is probably pretty common in lots of different kinds of situations is that a transformation has is is typically driven by a company's leaders at least insofar as they're the people who decide okay we are going to transform or we need some kind of transformation so let's talk about that a little bit what role should leadership play in making the transformation a positive and beneficial experience for the company as a whole and for individual employees 
Yeah, and I think um, one needs to think about leadership broadly here because when we think of leadership, we very often think in terms of the senior leaders. And the senior leaders are really at the, uh, they're the champions, they're the winners at yesterday's game. They're the winners at the game of the culture, the way it's worked to date. And their role is really about creating the environment that enable others to come through and succeed and create that future emerging culture, that emerging, you know, response to the emerging world. So they can act as blockers, they can act as energizers and catalysts. They're not necessarily the people who are going to be living and championing all of that future. So they, they're a valuable part of the picture, but it's not just about that. It is about leadership through the organization. And that's not just individual leaders then, that's also about the connections between leaders. So we often look at how are leadership teams working and how are those teams working with each other and encouraging the, you know, across different teams. So how's the, the sales team working with the, you know, the manufacturing team or the production team or whatever it is, depending on the business, the connections between that become important because that's what culture is embedded in. It's about the relationships between things. So you're very often looking at leadership through the organization and you need to engage and galvanize those leaders through the organization with senior leaders, enabling, encouraging, uh, catalyzing, but not necessarily being the, uh, the ones who, if I can invent all the answers and know exactly what we're doing. It doesn't tend to be simply top down. It's got to be also bottom up. Mm, okay, that makes sense. And, you know, I would think that especially comes into play when any when a transformation, as I'm sure this probably happens all the time, just runs into problems or rough patches or, you know, people are complaining and it doesn't seem to be going well. How can not only leadership, but companies generally best respond when things don't go according to the plan? Yeah, I think um, that there are a number of things here. So one is that that sense of, OK, so we've got a plan that's trying to, you know, enable things to happen going forward. Any plan needs to be iterative, needs to have those feedback loops that say, OK, so something's changing, something's different. How do we respond to that? So there's that sense of staying open to the opportunities as well as the challenges that might uh, might present themselves. I think there's something around staying curious. So rather than sort of have it, very often you hear people say, oh yeah, those guys over there, they're the blockers, they're the problem. And you get into judging and to demonizing uh, and that could be really unhelpful. You need to really understand, well, what is it? What is the need that's not being met that those people have? And if they don't buy the problem they don't buy the issues around how our culture might need to change, then they're never going to buy the solution. They're never going to buy into that change. So you need to find the language that helps them to understand why this matters, what it means for them, listen to how they're responding to it, and then think about how you engage around that. And you will undoubtedly find things that, uh, you know, create those bumps along the road. And that's, as I say, that's why it's very much an iterative process. I tend not to draw straight lines for this. I tend to draw uh, sort of spirals and circles because that's the nature of the change process. It's an emergent process as well as a, a thought through and an and intended process. It's a mix of the two. So now, am I right in thinking that, you know, the kinds of transformations that we're talking about take time? These are not things that happen overnight and that and, and yeah. therefore it would seem important for you know people to understand that that this is a long term process that Absolutely. as you were just saying, you know, that you have to build in feedback mechanisms. But for that to work, you, you, there has to be time to do it. Yeah, 
yeah and so trying to you do need to look for sort of if you like quick wins you do need to look for the things that you can say or symbolic wins is probably often a yeah. better way so so what have we done that that actually ah that's a really good example of the kind of things we want to encourage more for the future so you're really looking to celebrate and to recognize those examples as they emerge more than trying to sort of you know tackle the things that all seem to be all the problems if you focus just on problems you'll never get there you also need to look at the here's the exemplar here's something that's worked well what can we learn from that how can that we use that to help energize others as they're working through the journey and it is a journey and it will take time and sometimes it can be a little unclear as to exactly where it's going to end end up because of course it's you're reframing as you go through right and it also can often be a difficult journey right in terms of it's hard to change and if you're used to doing things one way it can be difficult maybe even upsetting in certain ways to do things in a different way it it can one of the dangers is that people sometimes think that you're criticizing the way they've done things in the past and saying that's wrong in some way so that Mm. sense of saying well bad you know current or or past is bad and future good is is completely the wrong kind of frame it's very much that sense of the you know what we've done in the past the way we've done things in the past that's got us to where we are now the successes probably some of the challenges as well um, but you know people haven't been doing a bad job it's not about them somehow failing it is about saying what's needed for the future is different to what's got us to where we are now and it's not a quantum step. Sometimes, again, I was talking to somebody yesterday who was, he's in a bank that's been around for many years. Uh, it's got uh, origins that go back to Quaker sort of thinking and, 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 and mindsets. And and in the sense that some of the banks moved away from some of those founding principles, as we know back in, you know, sort of a decade or so ago when we had some of the financial challenges. And one of the things they needed to do was to go back to some of what, what will we set up for in the first place? What are some of those founding principles? Because our roots are probably quite deep and they help us to realign if we reconnect to some of those roots. So there's something about that line of history that's important. And how do we reframe it in the current context, the modern context, the, 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 the future direction? So how do we stay true to what we're about but recognize that the market and the technologies around us are changing and we need to adapt and, and adopt those technologies. Mm, that's a great point. So what are some of the most common mistakes that organizations make when they're undergoing a change, culture change? Uh, I, I had a lovely conversation with a guy who was a senior executive in an insurance company, and he was describing a senior team meeting to me where uh, the HR team or the HR director had come in and and at the end of a two-day meeting in the last sort of hour and a half, mapped out their culture change journey for them. And it sounded like a pretty good plan, a pretty good way forward. And what struck me as, you know, and I asked this guy, okay, so what's your role in making this happen? And he said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a champion of one of the streams. I can't remember which stream it is now. And I thought, yeah, so HR have worked out a plan but you haven't bought into mm. it. You haven't been part of it. You haven't really engaged with it. So one of the classic mistakes is let's give it to HR to do because it's kind of about mm-hmm. people, isn't it? It's not really about business. So that's a classic mistake. Others can be around structures and processes. It's so much easier to change structures and processes, certainly structures, uh, than it is to to grapple with culture. And of course, the f- structures that we have and the processes we have are partly, they help to shape the culture, but they're also 
a function of it. They're also, a, you know, we, the way we think about doing things is a function of the culture and the way we, we interconnect. So they're easy to change, but that's not changing. You can, you can keep moving the, the deck chairs around. It doesn't actually change the way you work. Similarly, with the focus on things like competence frameworks and training programs, and to be honest, sometimes values and value statements, because they can be so much hot air. People look at what senior leaders do and how they behave and the consistency of that, not recognizing they can't always be completely consistent, but they look at that much more than they do whatever the value statements are that are on the wall. So those are the things that then become really important. Yeah. And the other mistakes we've touched on are things like, you know, trying to copy somebody else's culture uh, or get the strategy consultants in and let them tell you what culture you need. Uh, those sort of things just uh, are never going to work. Yeah. And, and what are some of the consequences, you know, whether it's kicking it to HR and not really getting involved or trying to copy something that doesn't really fit your organization? What can happen when you make those mistakes? You can waste a lot of time and energy. You can disengage people because they have that sense of, okay, yeah, so they're going through their next iteration of whatever it is those guys up there are paid to do. We've got some nice PowerPoint slides and we've got some new, you know, posters on the wall and, and so on. So there's that real sense of it, it doesn't feel relevant. It's not about me and what, who I am and what I do. It's some stuff that they're doing over there and I'll just be quiet and let them get on with it and, and carry on doing what I've been doing before. So you get that sort of disengagement, disenchantment, and, and of course, you don't get the change that you're really looking for. Right, which is something you obviously want to avoid. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, the whole point is, how do you change the patterning of relationships within the organization, but also at the boundary of the organization? So one of the other challenges sometimes is people look within and they talk to each other about how we think we need to be different, which is interesting. But it's much more important, or at least as important, to also be talking to, well, what are our customers saying about us? What are our suppliers saying about us? What's the regulator saying about us? What's the communities in which we're working? What are they saying about us? How are they experiencing our culture? And how do we want them to be experiencing us? How do, they, how do we want to be connecting and relating? So you have to look externally. I mean, the key for me is always a sort of future back or orientation. So how do we think we need to be in the future? What does that mean from where we are now? And also an outside in. So what are others, our key stakeholders saying about us? How are we connecting with them? How do we bring that data, that way of thinking, those insights into the business and recognize what that means for us and how yeah. we change? So in our discussion, you've mentioned a few uh, small examples here and there to illustrate what you're talking about. Can you share a, you know, a brief story of somebody that you've worked with to help them go through a transformation and sort of tell us the story of how that came about and how you helped them get to uh, where they want to go? Yeah, so we were, we were working with, uh, it was then a large insurance and, and investments business uh, about 18 months to two years ago. We started talking to them and working with them around some senior team development. And then they, they changed the game because they then said, actually, we're going to go and merge with a comparable sized investment company. Uh, so we're going to put two companies together. And then the conversation moved to, so how can you help us to, to make this successful? Do we just need to sort of, you know, bulldoze our way through it and try and just make things happen and work, you know, from a cultural point of view going forward? Or can we genuinely constructively try to create the culture we need for the future, having merged these two businesses together? And the, one of the things they kept saying was, well, really, we need the best of both cultures. And our 
key focus to begin with was no actually you need to be really clear about your purpose you've just created or you're just creating a new organization it's different scale it's a global scale it's got you know different capabilities so what's the purpose that lies behind that from a customer point of view from a stakeholder point of view and so on and so don't argue about the best of each of the past cultures because that will just become an argument think about what you need for the future then you might think about how can you leverage some of what's worked well in the past but you need to set it in that frame so that was one element that was really key to help them to get on board with that and then we engage people across the business in a whole series of uh, activities where we were looking for them to say a little bit about what excited them about the future, how they felt the organization needed to be. So they helped to shape the frame, the language for what do we need to be doing going forward. But we also talked to their clients or some of their clients at least and, and some of their professional advisors and the regulator and others around, well, you know, what would you be concerned about? What do you think you need from this new organization in the way it's working and the way it's engaging and, and so on? And we use that data then to, as new senior teams were being formed, because inevitably you had a shakeout of, you know, a mix of some of the senior leaders from each of the past businesses, the legacy businesses. And we worked with them to help them see how they, even in the way they were first meeting and forming, were beginning to shape that new culture and how they had a responsibility down into the organization. So how they were setting examples for the people within their functions, but also across, how are they making the connections in new ways across the organization at a time of great turbulence, uncertainty, you know, new processes coming in. And of course that takes time. If you've got different financial processes and, and systems, it takes time to, you know, work through the legacies and get get onto a new platform of some sort. And so you've got to both live with some of that past legacy and try to create the, the shift going forward. So we did a lot of work with those senior teams. We're not there yet. The journey is still uh, working through. As you say, these things take time. It's about 18 months ago. Um, but there is good progress. There's uh, a lot of settling in the business in terms of the senior teams bedding down and also not too much discussion around, well, did you used to be this mm. or did you used to be that? It's there, it doesn't disappear altogether. You're always gonna get the echo of that. But there's more around creating the future. There's more around excitement around the purpose and there's more about how do we collaborate to create that purpose. So we're still working with them around some of those issues and challenges, but that's the sort of direction we've done. And it's great, great fun to be mm -hmm. working with. Yeah, it sounds like it. And that's a really good example. And one thing I take away from it is that there's a lot that goes into this, a lot of moving parts and pieces and just a lot of work to make a transformation go well. Yes, I mean, it's absolutely right. And it needs to be top of mind for senior leaders in a business as part of what they do and how they do it. It's not a separate thing from the business. It's fundamental to the success, the future success of the business. And obviously they're role models. Obviously, you know, every leader as they turn up and, and the way people see them and the language they use and the way they frame things in particular, they need to be aware of that influence and they need to see it as, as important to pay attention to this as trying to drive out the costs and, you know, increase the revenues and, you know, align the branding and, and so on. And of course, branding is very mm -hmm. relevant, you know, so how does our culture line up to the brand that we're putting into the marketplace, what we're saying about ourselves, what we're projecting out there? Because uh, if you're projecting a friendly brand, but you've got a very, you know, 
cost conscious focused you know internal kind of culture then you're probably not going to connect very well in terms of your brand image so that it is it is a part of doing the business it's not a nice to yeah. have on the side well wow, there's so much more we could discuss but to wrap up what are the main insights that you want our listeners to take away from today's podcast i guess okay. i've got three or four it's a good question uh, so one would be around let's focus on your culture not somebody else's yours you know where you are uh, and the the legacy and the history that's got you here as well as your future uh, i've mentioned thinking outside in and future back so you know that sense of perspective around this it's not just about an internal view it's never a simple process it's never a simple plan there are going to be loops there are going to be learning loops there are going to be things that come along that you weren't expecting and so you need to be open to that curious about it and and you know reframe and relearn uh, as, as you progress and lastly it is about energizing people getting people involved in it and feeling that collectively we own this it isn't about saying, okay, we're going to decide in a small group of people at the top of the organization, this is how you're all going to be, and then we're going to tell you about it, and then we're going to tell you off when you haven't done it. It's just not the way to make it happen. Wonderful. Chris, well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your insights. It's been a real pleasure. It's been nice to talk to you. The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com slash podcasts.